Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Right. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. How's everyone doing? That was a good, that was a good time this morning, wasn't it? Can you all hear me okay? Can you hear me at the back? Good. Right, so we're into, into the second week of our series on, on worship called Greater. And um, who was here last week? Show of hands. Okay, so we know that Hannah um, gave us a really good sense of who it is that we, that we worship, our God, and, and, and the fact that he is almighty God. And this week, we're going to focus on why do we do that? Why do we worship God? And there are lots of, lots of reasons why we, why we should worship God. And I, on the way down this morning, I, I thought, well, I'll ask my kids in the car, what, why, what, what is the purpose of worship, I said to them? Um, any, any guesses on the answer? <laughs> After a little bit of umming and ahhing, um, Ollie said, well, because he made the world. I thought, well, that's not a bad reason. Um, because he made the world. And then, and then they thought about it a bit more, and then they said, well, because he also sent Jesus to die for us. And I thought, that's a, that's a pretty good summary, so I could probably stop there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're looking at why we should... Uh, what, what is the purpose of worship? Why do we worship God? But just as a way of, uh, by way of introduction, I just want to say how that, that I think praise and worship is so important. And I think many times we've not experienced all that we could experience in praise and worship. I really think that God wants to raise our expectancy about what he will do, do in the meetings when we come together. Um, I believe that people can be set free and can be healed, can be delivered, there can be new information that you could get in the, in the praise and worship time. And, and actually, it's a time to encounter God. It's when he speaks to us most clearly often. So, so what is the purpose of worship? If we just skip on to the next slide. So these, these are six um, words that I want to cover this morning. I didn't, do this on, I didn't choose peas on purpose, but it, it just happened to come out that way when I was preparing the material. But the, I think that there are six main purposes for, um, for worship. First of all, I think it is really about us fulfilling our own purpose and calling. One of the reasons that God made us is to give him praise. So when we are praising God, we're actually fulfilling our purpose in life. And when we fulfill our purpose in life, that gives us a sense of being in the right place. Amen? Anyone get that, that, that sense? The second thing is really it pleases God. It pleases God when we, when we worship him. It gives him. It gives him pleasure. It makes him happy. And uh, we'll talk about, a bit more about that in a minute. The third thing is it changes our perspective. It helps us think differently. It helps us see things in the right context. On who God is, on our relationship to God, our position in Christ. Amen? So it changes our perspective. The fourth thing is that Worship prepares us. And what does it prepare us for? It prepares us to hear God, and it prepares us to be made whole. It prepares us for salvation. And that word salvation means to be made whole, as well as to be saved. And then the, the, the fifth P is it ushers in God's presence. We need God's presence, don't we? You know, um, praising worship time without God in the meeting isn't much fun. And so we want the presence of God in our meetings. And then the, the, the final one, the sixth P, is that it is, it is to release God's power. Okay, It's to release God's power into our own lives and into our, into our body, our corporate body here. So that's what we're going to cover this morning. Everyone okay with that? Yes. Any major questions at this point? No, good, okay. We'll see how far we get. And... Um, uh, and, and we may go off at a couple of tangents, but those are the six P's I want to cover. So let's start off then to fulfill our purpose. The purpose of worship is to fulfill our own purpose in the way that we, we, are, we are made. So we are born to serve God. Did you know that? We're born to serve God and to offer spiritual sacrifices. Now, what do I mean by spiritual sacrifices? Um, let's have a look at 1 Peter 2 verse 5. It says this, you also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. Now, that word living stones, you could think of bricks. So you are living bricks being built up into a spiritual house. And then 
There's this word, uh, holy priesthood. If you can underline that in your mind, a holy priesthood. We are a holy priesthood. That means that we are... Um, we don't go to a priest, but we are. If we're born again, if we've met with God, we are actually a priest. In other words, we offer sacrifices to God. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the spiritual sacrifices that we make are these praises. So when, when we praise God, despite of how we might feel, in spite of how we might feel, that is a sacrifice of praise, and that pleases God. Amen? So spiritual sacrifices are what we offer to God. Hebrews 13, verse 15, it tells us that, it's, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to God, the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, when we are praising God, we're doing exactly what we were created to do as priests in, in the new covenant, in the new order. And so this, this praise, it resides on the inside of you. It's the reason you're, 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 you're here. And, you know, so if you're doing the washing up and you're sing, singing quietly to the Lord and, you know, that's you fulfilling your priestly duty. And if you're, if you're vacuuming the room and you're, you're praising God as you do it, that's you acting as a priest, giving a sacrifice of praise. Amen. It's not just here on a Sunday morning that we praise God. So let's, let's go back to our, um, if, we, if we click onto the next slide. So it is to fulfill our purpose and it is to use our will. Hands up, who knows you have to use your will in praise. You have to use your will. It's not automatic, okay? So the purpose of worship is to sacrifice, and sacrifice starts with the will. Um, David said, I will bless the Lord. Amen? I will bless the Lord. I will decide as an act of my will to do it. And many times, what we've been taught in charismatic or Pentecostal churches is that we will wait until we feel something before we do something. But actually, God says, I want you to do something, and then you might feel something. Is that right? So we, when we come into God's presence, when we come into our meeting here, this mor- you know, in, in mornings like this, we need to use our will to give a sacrifice of praise. So praise is 100% decision. Okay? Praise is 100% decision. We have to decide to do it. Um, if you, if you wait to feel like it, you might never do it. You know, there's an old song I, I remember. It says something like, every time I feel the Spirit move in my heart, I will pray. But that isn't actually right, is it? You know, God says pray without ceasing. Um, and there are some times when you won't feel like it. So praise is 100% decision. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with emotion. I'm not saying we shouldn't be led by our emotion sometimes. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having your own personal taste. Sometimes I prefer certain songs to other songs. But we still have to use our will to praise the Lord. Um, now, sometimes we have good days and we have bad days. And it, you know, if, if, you have a promo, you know, if you have a promotion at work or something like that, or you have a pay rise, you, you know, and you get told about it on the Friday, probably on the Sunday morning you're, you're in a better place to, to give thanks to God, aren't you? But how would you feel if you had a pay cut? Or a demotion, or something else, you know, happened on that Friday. How do we then give praise to God on that Sunday? Well, the answer is you have to make a decision to do it. You have to decide to do it, and um, it's not it's not automatic. Let's have a look at Psalm nine, verse one. It says this: "I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High." And, you know, the second word in every sentence there, every line there is, I will, I will, I will be glad. I will sing, I will tell, I will praise. Not when I feel like, but I will. Not every time I feel the Spirit move in my heart, but I will praise God. So the will is always related to praise. Rejoicing is a choice. Amen? We click on to the next slide. Here are some... Some phrases that I think sort of summarize what I'm trying to say here. Praising God, it changes us. It doesn't change God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
but it changes us. In fact, if there's one thing that we could take away from today, I'd like for, I'd like for us to take away from today is this, that praising God, the purpose for worship is really to change you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But praise starts with the will. Rejoicing is the choice. Um, who's, um, who's on holiday on, on, on Monday? Who's, who's not at work on Monday? Because it's a bank holiday. Hooray. Now, how do you think you're going to feel on Tuesday morning when you have to get up for work? Probably not so good. It's a bit like when you've had a long holiday and you come back that first day at work on that Monday morning. Who jumps out of bed and, and says, yes, it's work? Not many of us. And I think we just have to use our will, don't we? To get out of bed, to put on our shirt and tie or whatever you wear, do your shoes up and get out the door on time. You just have to use your will. It doesn't feel good all the time. Um, but the will is important when we, when we praise God. Okay. So this is this, is this, this uh, Hebrew word, um, it, and it's todar. And todar means to give thanks and to lift your hands up as an act of sacrifice. Todar. And um, when we come into the, to the presence of God, he actually says in the, in the Bible that we should lift our hands up. Many of us were doing it this morning, but that isn't a natural thing often, is it? It's not a natural thing. My, my hands naturally are, are here. So I have to use my will to raise my arms, raise my hands, to, to, to thank God for what he's done. And, and this is the first thing we do when we come into, into his presence. We begin by overruling that struggle not to do it. And you know, in the Old Testament, there were priests, and they gave physical sacrifices, so they would kill lambs and other things. And... I'm guessing that the lambs didn't go quietly when they were brought to the sacrifice. You know, it probably wasn't very quiet. You know, you can imagine they would take the lamb, they would probably tie the front legs together and then get the back legs and tie the back legs to the front legs and carry it. But I'm sure the lamb would have been bleating and would have been crying. It would have been horrible. And probably as a priest, I don't know, I would, I would have probably struggled with that, I think. But sometimes we have to overcome our emotions to, to do what God commands. All right, let's, let's move on to the next slide. So, so, it, so, so it is to fulfill our own purpose and, and destiny in God. It's to, to use our will. It is to declare truth. Um, part of the reason we sing songs is to declare truth and, and to speak out the truth. And what the, what the Old Testament priests did was they would take the word of God and they would speak it out loud. They would say it out loud. And they would sing it out loud. They would take scripture and re- recall all that God had done and all that he was going to do. And it's you know, really, really important. How, um, how, you know, it's really interesting how important this is because the Bible says that he will watch over his word to perform it. And so if we're speaking stuff that isn't his word, God doesn't promise that he will fulfill that. But when we're singing and praising and, 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 and saying out loud the word of God, he will watch over his word to perform it. So when you start to say, your loving kindness is better than life, then you can start to experience that. That's why it's so important that we're listening, that God is listening to his word. Um, So the purpose of of worship is to declare truth. And ultimately, it's to become more like him and to draw closer to God. But also, one of the purposes of worship is to bring us together as a body of people, as the church to bring us together in unity as a, as a corporate body to give praise to God. Um, David said, let us go up the hill of the Lord, didn't he? he let us together go up the hill of the Lord. And um, sometimes we need to make a quality decision that we are going to be part of the choir, if you like, part of that body of people that will do that. Um, we don't want some pockets of folks experiencing freedom and others not not you know, not experiencing that. So God doesn't want anyone left out when we're, when we're praising. We are one choir. There's this word zamar in, in Hebrew. This word zamar means um, to use instruments to praise God. It means to sing and to use instruments. And often, I think, we, we're very familiar with this. We have a band and we sing three, four, five, six songs on a Sunday morning. So we're used to that bit. But actually... The, the use of instruments should be an extension of our praise. It is not the praise in, it, in itself. Does that make sense? So the use of instruments is an extension of what God is doing in us. They, the instruments serve 
uh, our expression of praise toward, towards God. The problem is that in many, in many times in church, we try to use Zamar to do the job of Todar. We try to use musical instruments to do the job of giving a sacrifice of praise. So it can be in the wrong place. And it, you know, praise is not a performance. It's not, um, it is not something that we observe. It's something that we partake in. Does that make sense to everyone? It's not a performance. It's, 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 it's something that we are all doing together. So, so praise is to become, to, to worship God is, is to be part of that one body. Um, music is an extension of our praise, not a creation of it. And so the musician's job is to, is to complement what God's doing and not to, not to demonstrate it, uh, is to facilitate the choir. All right, let's, let's um, flick on to the next slide, please. I think we'll, we'll just flick on to the next one, actually, please. And then the last one here I've put, to fulfill our purpose is also for us to have a different lifestyle. A different lifestyle. We shouldn't have the same lifestyle as we did before we knew God. And one of the things that's interesting about when you read through the Psalms is how many times you read the following sorts of scriptures. If we flick on to the next slide, please. Seven times a day, David said, I will praise you for your righteous laws. I wonder how many people have a routine where they do that seven times a day. I don't, I have to confess. Um, at midnight, I will rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Now, this is David saying, I'll get out of bed. I will discipline my body just because God deserves it. Whether it's morning or night, midday or whenever it is, God deserves our praise at every time of the day. Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. And every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. So every day. Now, some days aren't nice. Do we have to praise God on those days? Well, God says yes. And if you do, you'll be blessed. And um, a few years ago, I was, preparing, um, I was preparing a series of talks on this subject. And while I was doing that... Um, one morning, I was, I was walking to work. I was walking down to the train station. And when I was walking down to the train station, I felt the Lord say to me, you should praise me on the way down to the, pra- to the train station. I thought, well, that's fine. So I just started to, to speak out loud some things, just started to, to, to speak out loud some verses that I'd been meditating on. And then I, I felt the Lord say to me, no, no, I want you to lift your hands to me. Now, it was only about six in the morning, so it was quite early. And, you know, apart from the paper boy and a few passing cars, there wasn't really many people around. But I still felt this strong desire not to do that. <laughs> and um, so the Lord said, no, no, lift your hands up. So I started to do this as I walked down Woodley Lane. Um, and then I felt the Lord say, no, no, lift your hands up. <laughs> so, so I then was like this, walking down Woodley Lane. And, um, and actually, you know, God was just teaching me that your pride is, is the issue, you know. And all of us, I think, if we're honest, have pride at times. And the problem with that is that God says he resists the proud. And so, you know, that was a really interesting few, few minutes, um, walking around Romsey with my arms in the air. But there is no law against it. There's no law to say you cannot raise your arms as you walk down the street that you cannot raise your arms in Waitrose. Um, there's no law against it. We have to decide to praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> One of the things I love about the Old Testament priests and the, and the way that they used to praise God is that they would run on shifts. Did you know that? They ran on shifts. Um, so they would praise the, the Lord all day and all night. And, um, and there were times that it, it's recorded that they couldn't stand up for the presence of God because they were praising the Lord all day and all night. They weren't singing the hymn, they became the song, if you like. And um, this is the power of God. And, and we see the same thing with, with Paul and Silas, two leaders in the New Testament. They were put in jail. And, and um, I don't know if you know much about Roman prisons. They weren't very nice, generally. Often there were holes in the ground and, and they didn't have toilet facilities and those sorts of things. So they weren't a very nice... You know, they weren't very nice places. Paul and Silas were put in, this, in, in this, this prison, and they start to do what? What did they do? They started to praise. And the Greek word that is used there is the equivalent of a Hebrew word to healer. 
And that really means that God breaks through. And what actually happened was that there was an earthquake and they were set free from the prison. And that, was the and that led to the establishment of the Philippian church, I believe. So that's what can happen in praise. But I bet when they were in the... Would you, how would you feel if you were lowered down into a horrible, dark, wet, smelly prison? Probably the first thing your body would want to do is not praise the Lord. Is that right? But because they did it, because they entered into that praise, God, God you know, it was breakthrough. Well, let's move on. So that's, that's, that's the first one. That's purpose. It's our purpose to praise the Lord. The second, the second thing, if we move on to the next slide, is it brings God pleasure. It pleases him when we, when we, um, when we choose to obey, when we choose to worship, despite how we feel, that pleases God. And... Um, and the second reason is that it helps, us, it helps us get in order. It helps us put the inner man in the right place, the inner person. My inner person needs to have ascendancy over the body. And so it, help, it helps us do that. Often when we come to church, we don't feel like praising the Lord, but as we choose as an act of our will to do it, then our inner person grows stronger and our flesh is put in the right place. Does that make sense to everyone? I know these are some, you know, some of these things are difficult concepts, but our, our bodies don't want to do what's spiritual often, do they? You know, if you've had a busy week, if, you've, you know, if you're tired, and if you listen to the advice of your body, you might not make the right decisions. You know, if, if, if I followed the advice of my body, sometimes I'd, you know, I might be asleep at the back of church. You know, I might like... <laughs> Alex? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you follow the advice of your body, you will do some silly things. And so we have, to, um, we have to overcome that. And part of the purpose of, 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 of worship is to, is to give God pleasure because we choose to put him first, not us first. Is that right? As we put God first, it pleases him. And then things happen. Um, um, there's a psalm, Psalm 103, verse 1. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, you can say that on a good day and you can say that on a bad day. You know, everything that's within me, all my pain, all my fear, all my hurt, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, on this brilliant day. Thank you for the sunshine and for my family and for the, all the loving things you put in my life. Everything that's within me, bless his holy name. And I think that's the kind of psalm that we need to say to ourselves when we're on the, in the car on the way to church. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything that's within me, I will choose to bless his holy name. And actually, it says in Romans, this verse underneath it, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Your bodies. You, put, you are in authority, so you can present your bodies. The body belongs to you. You can present your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your Reasonable service. Now, some translations say spiritual, but I quite like reasonable because <laughs> it's a reasonable service to start with, to say, okay, I will, I will bring my body into submission. But you know what? Your spirit, your inner person wants to praise the Lord. Jesus said, you know, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants to praise the Lord. Sometimes it just hasn't got a loud enough voice that we can hear it. Amen. All right, let's move on to the next, next slide. Okay. So the next reason we, we, um, it brings God pleasure is because we, we have to discipline not just our bodies, but our minds. Sometimes our, um, we have a wandering mind. Who's ever, who's ever suffered with that problem? No. He's got a holiday booked coming up soon. I hope you're not on the beach in your mind at the moment. <laughs> At the moment, it's easy to do, isn't it? We can be in a meeting, but our minds can be a million miles away. You know, it, it, did I leave the oven on? Did you know? Have I have I sorted out stuff for work tomorrow? Um, you know, did I book the right flight or whatever it is? Uh, you know, we can ha we come into church with a scattered mentality, with our minds all over the place. And what God wants to do is bring us back together, so that our spirits and our minds are one, uh, and able to hear what God is saying. You know, we don't want people to be sat in a meeting, but their minds to be outside. We want to be in the meeting. Amen? And sometimes that takes, that takes discipline. 
but we have authority over that wandering mind. Now, the other, the other purpose for, for, for worship is for, so that we can surrender to God. You know, God loves it when we surrender to him, when we say, okay, I choose to, to bow before you and, and, and give you praise and acknowledge that you're greater than me. Sometimes we've just got to say it. You are greater than me. I surrender. I've been trying it to do stuff in my own strength. I've been trying to do stuff out of my own skills and ability, and it's getting me nowhere. I surrender to you. And when we do that, it gives God pleasure. And the last thing here on this last bullet point is to come alive spiritually. You know, when we, when we praise God, when we worship God, we come alive. Um, there's a word in, in, in Hebrew, um, the word is halal. Who's ever heard of this word halal? You're thinking of something else, most of you, aren't you? You're thinking about meat, aren't you? But this is a different word. This word halal, does it sound like another word that we use? Hallelujah. hallelujah. It's part of the word hallelujah. And halal means to shine, to, to, to boast, to celebrate wildly, to, to, to rage or to be clamorously foolish. It means to dance. It means to jump around. It means to rave and praise the Lord. That's what the word halal means. And dignified people are sometimes spiritually dead people. I don't mean to be, please don't be offended by this, but I think just an observation, if we hold on to our dignity at the expense of obedience, we become dead. And so halal is to not be so English. Amen? It means to, it means to, to express that inner joy that only comes through praising God. Now, I think if we could go back in time and watch the priests in the Old Testament and how they praised the Lord, it would really amaze you. You know, they would be dressed with, a, you know, with linen robes. They had lots of colorful stuff on them. They would have had a, t- a turban on their heads. They would have had a breastplate with stones in it. Um, they would have had a beautiful garment wrapped around their waist. And all these folks would be jumping around and dancing and shouting before the Lord. Probably not what we imagine priests doing, isn't it? And... Um, you know, most, most of the time today we try and be dignified. There's a time to dance and there's a time to come alive. Psalm 119 verse 175 says this. Let me live. Let me live that I may praise you. And that's the word halal. Let me live that I might praise you. First you've got to come alive. And when we worship God, he brings us alive. Amen? And as he brings us alive, we can then express that in... Because... I'll be honest, I don't like dancing. Um, I find dancing in public just only slightly less embarrassing than taking off my clothes in public. You know, it, it not, it's not the sort of thing I would like to do, generally. But actually, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you lose that. You lose that fear, because you're doing it to God. Let me live that I might halal you. You cannot move into this halal until you come alive spiritually. Um, next one, the next, next um, point here. It is to bless God and give him adoration. You know, part of our pur- purpose for worship is to just adore God, to bless God. And, uh, and to do that, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So halal, it means to celebrate, to shine forth. So hallelujah, just so you know how, how the word works, halal is that word I've just explained. Lu um, is the word, um, it means you. And Yah comes from Yahweh, which, which Hannah explained to us last, last week. So it means halal, shine forth, be, celebrate, dance, be foolish, you before God. That's what the word means. Hallelujah. And often we sing songs. So when we, when we next say the word hallelujah, maybe we should stop and think about it for a minute and maybe do a hallelujah. Because um, that's, that's what the word means. You know, God loves dancing. I don't know, you know, one of the things I love about the Jewish people is they have a spirit of dance in them. They just love, they have tambourines and ribbons. They just love dancing, and it's, it's inspirational. I think God loves dancing, too. If, uh, probably, if I'd have had time, I would have put a clip on here from Evan Almighty. Um, <laughs> I just thought about it this morning. I think God loves to dance as well. And I think when we get to these levels of worship, he joins in with us. And I don't mean to say that in an irreverent way. I think God does love to dance. In fact, if we look at Zephaniah, some of the most... Amazing passages of scripture here. Zephaniah 3 verse 17, it says this. The Lord your God in your midst, so this is in the church, 
the Lord your God, in your midst, the mighty one, he will what? He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. And that word rejoice is the same word. It means also to dance. So we have a God that will also dance over us with singing. He rejoices over us. It pleases him when we, when we engage as one body before him. You know, it pleases me when my kids muck about and dance and, and do silly plays and things like that. It's the same for us at church, I think, sometimes. All right, let's, um, let's, let's move on. I just one thing to say here. I think praise is spiritual warfare. If I don't get on to talk about that later, just I'll mention it now. Praise is, is, is spiritual warfare, and, and dancing is a secret weapon. I really think that it's a secret weapon of praise because... You know, one thing I did many years ago, and it's a bit silly, was I took a whole lot of issues that were really, I was really struggling with, problems and difficulties, and I wrote them down on a piece of paper, and I put them on the floor, and I praised God, and I danced on that bit of paper. I'm glad no one else was in the room. I made sure the curtains were closed. But I did that, and I did that until I felt free. And I, I, I'm not saying you should do that, but I just think dancing is a way of getting free in the spirit. Amen? Okay. You know, does God, I mean, one thing to think about is, you know, do God's policies change? They don't. We see some stuff in the Psalms that we don't do very much. Um, you know, the, I was saying to Trevor Bond the other day, when he spoke a few weeks ago, he talked about reading some Psalms to his children at night time. I felt quite challenged by that, and um, I just felt the Lord prompt me to do the same thing. So I started at night time a few weeks ago reading the Psalms with my kids. Well, that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, and Ollie, bless him, he, we talked about the fact that psalms are actually songs, although we've lost the tune. So he said, well, why don't we make up the tune? So what we do at night time now is we will read, read through a psalm. He'll do one verse, I'll do the next, and he'll, he'll make up a tune, I'll make up a tune. And, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's praise, isn't it? Psalm 150, and this is, the reason I mention that is because he loves this psalm, Psalm 150. He calls it the praise the Lord psalm. And it's actually the halal psalm, because every single word here, and I had to check it out a few times, is the word halal. So praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, and so on. So, so this is the heart of God, isn't it? All right, let's, let's move on. The next P, the next purposeful worship, is to change our perspective to change the way we think about things. Praise changes us, as I said before. It doesn't change God. It changes who we are. It changes us. And Proverbs 27 says this. It says, As the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, so is a man or a woman to his or her praise. As the, fur- as, as the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. That means as we praise God, it refines us. It changes us. It makes us better. Amen? We become more like God. It changes us. The next, next thing, next um, bullet point, if we, just, if we just flick on to the next slide, the one after that, it changes our perspective. It, cha- it gives us expectancy. We can start to expect the right things and not expect the wrong things. You know, God, I do believe God always responds to genuine praise. Amen? He does respond to genuine praise. He sees the heart. He doesn't hear the tune. He smells for what's going on. And he listens to your heart. And, and I do believe he always responds to genuine praise. As I said, I don't think we've seen anything yet. I do believe that we will see, you know, we need to raise our expectation for what God wants to do. In the highest levels of praise, people are spontaneously healed. People are spontaneously delivered. And people come to faith in, in Jesus. Now, one of the things that we do to change perspective is we, we remind, in our praise, we remind ourselves of who God is, what he has done, and what he will do in the future. So as I said before, we speak out the truth. It's word-based. And as we do that, we start to see things in a different way. The priests, they, you know, they, they did the same thing, as I said, in the Old Testament. And Psalm 103, verse 2, David said, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So we, we mustn't forget the benefits that we get as being part of God's family, amen? And praise is, to, is part of the reason for praise is to do that. Okay, if we just click on to the next one. 
Uh, one more, please. The other thing that we need perspective on is our position. I'm not going to talk a great deal about this because I think Sim's going to cover it next week. But our position in Christ is so important. Uh, when we worship God, we understand our position. Now, this is a personal view, okay? So take it as that. It's not necessarily doctrine. But I do believe that often, when we come into praise and worship, the thing that we come in with is a consciousness of sin and a consciousness of guilt. But you won't get very far in praise and worship with that consciousness. And so I do believe that what God wants to do in praise and worship is to give us an understanding of our righteousness, that he's, he has addressed the problem of sin, and he's put us in right relationship with God. He's given his, his righteousness to us, and we are able to stand in his presence without fear, shame, and guilt, and condemnation. And we can actually give praise to God because of what he's done. So I would just, I would just say that sometimes some of the songs we sing give us a consciousness of sin and guilt, and I would say that that is a barrier to us experiencing the life of God. I know there are different views on these sorts of things. That's my view. And so I think, I think perspective on our position, perspective on, on, on the righteousness that God has given us, the fact that he's allowed us to come into his presence, and also that we're in a position of authority. Not only has he given us righteousness, but he's given us the name which is above every name. Amen? He's given us the keys of the kingdom, and he's given us authority over the, our enemy. And, and that is so important. When we come into praise, that we understand our position, that we understand that we've been given authority, and we're no longer defeated. Amen? There's one more thing on this. Our perspective on the world needs to change as well. When we come into praise and worship, it changes our perspective. Um, we have a clash because we have a, our culture in the UK and then we have the Bible. And sometimes those two things don't meet, do they? Can you think of any examples where our culture does not match up to what the Bible says? And if we're led by our culture and not the Bible, we'll miss it. So we have to understand that our perspective on the world has to be different to the rest of the world. Amen? I'm not talking about politics or anything else. I'm just, I'm just saying that often the many of the things that drive our culture are driven by our enemy. And what we see in the Bible often conflicts with that culture. And so we need to understand um, that, our, that the Bible must supersede our cultural values where they're in conflict for us to experience the power of God. Yes, Okay. Um, one, of the, one of the words for praise in the Old Testament is this word shabak, which means to shout, to declare victory. And it's the word that the, that the um, Israelites use around, around the walls of Jericho, many other times that it's used. Sometimes we have to shout to get victory, amen? We live in, in, our culture is not to do that <laughs> often, unless you're at a football match, that's, no, that's okay, you can, you can shout. Um, so sometimes we have to go beyond our kind of comfort zone and do those things out of obedience that God commands. And as we do that, we get, we, you know, we get free. Sometimes we can't just love the Lord quietly in our mind. You know, if you, I think I said once before, if you, if you try and love your wife quietly in your mind for too long, that might cause issues. Sometimes you have to express it. Uh, so let's obey God. Let's be, let's be obedient people. Let's move on. Next, next P. It's to prepare us. Worship is to prepare us. And what does it prepare us for? It prepares us to receive. It prepares us to receive from God and give God room to respond. So the purpose of worship is to prepare your mind, your heart, your emotions to hear God and to respond. Um, you know, as I said before, he's not, he's not just listening to the, the, the tune you're singing. He's, he's smelling for the scent of your praise. He's, he's listening to your heart. Um, so... So this is where God prepares the way for salvation to come. When we worship God, it prepares our hearts to hear him, to be made whole, to be brought back together so our, our wandering mind can be brought back into hearing God's voice. Our emotions can be brought back into a position where they're not dominating us. And, and we can hear the voice of God. Um, Psalm 50 verse 23 says this. He who sacrifices thank offerings. Now, what that word there is todah. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me. And he does what? He prepares the way 
so that I might show him the salvation of God. So when we give thank offerings to God, it prepares the way for the salvation of God. Amen? Does that make sense to everyone? It gives him room to move. It gives him an opportunity to do something. Um, So when you offer that sacrifice of praise, you're preparing a way for God to make you whole, to bring you back together. And let's move on. Next slide, please. It brings energy and strength. uh, Worship actually gives you energy. There's a word in Greek called zoe. It's the life of God. And when we praise God, we get that life of God in us. And there's another word for praise in the Old Testament. That's um, yadar. And yadar, yah, from Yahweh, da is the derivative of the word thanks. So so it means to to rejoice God thanks. When When we yadar God... That gives us strength. Every, most of the time that that word is used, it, it, it comes with a feeling of strength. It means often to throw, or to throw a spear, or to lift up your hands with strength and say, Amen. Because you're getting the life of God coming into you, and that strength and energy of God. And so, so when we worship God, it's to give us strength. The, the purpose of worship is to strengthen us. It's to make us alive. It's to bring the life of God into us. Amen. It's not passive. Worship is not a passive thing. Does that, I hope that's docking with you. Okay, all right. It's an active word. Um, Psalm 118, verse 21, I will, gi- I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. So God becomes our salvation when he gives us that strength and that energy. And um, we were chatting about this many years ago and Bryony talked about the fact that she'd been doing some running at the time. And you know, it's the same when you go to the gym. Often, you know, I, I try and get to the gym at work sometimes at lunch times. Often there's a good reason not to go, <laughs> if I'm honest, because there's lots of work on or whatever. And my body often doesn't want to go because I'm tired or I haven't eaten. But if I go, I know that by about 10 or 15 minutes in, I'm going to be enjoying it. Is that, does anyone understand what I mean by that? So if you go for a run, at first it's difficult, but when you start running, you start to feel the pleasure of running. And um, that's a bit like this word yadar. You start to get strength. God gives you energy. He gives you... <laughs> I, will, I won't say it. I won't say it. <laughs> so it means to lift up your hands with strength. Let's have a look at Isaiah 43. God wants to bring life into the dead places of our lives. All of us have these parts of our lives which are dead and need to be brought alive. Amen. And God can bring life into these dead parts of our lives. Isaiah 43, it says this. We can click on to the next slide. Uh, No, maybe we missed it, but I'll read it it out to you. Um, Yeah, that's just got the wrong reference on it. This is the right scripture. Do not remember the former things. Do not consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And those desert areas of our life, when we come to worship God, he brings us life, he brings us water, he brings newness, amen? A new thing. And that's what happens. And so if we can offer those dead parts of our lives, those parts of our lives that haven't been made to connect with God, when we worship him, he says, let me come in and bring change, amen? I love those scriptures. Isaiah 43, verse 20, Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert desert, to give drink to my people, my chosen. And it says in verse 21, This people I formed for myself to to give me pleasure, that they shall declare my praise. Amen. Let's move on. Next one, presence. Almost there. Keep going. Next slide. To usher in God's presence. That's another reason why we worship God. Praise is God's anointing system. It's how he brings his presence to us. Just like uh, giving is God's economic system, praise is his, his uh, anointing system. And you know, the Bible says God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we don't understand how these things work, we miss out. Amen? And so we need to understand how God, how God works with his people through praise. Um, there's another word in, in, in Hebrew, uh, it's the word barak, and it means to make yourself quiet, to be still, to, uh, to expect a response, to kneel down in awe, to yield, to, to, be, to make yourself quiet. 
And this word, this hush, before deliverance is so powerful. And I think many times, if, because of our style and because of our, the limitations of our meeting length and so on, we don't get quite to this point you know, where there's an expectancy that God's going to do something. And this word barak is so powerful. It brings fear and it brings reverence. And one of the things I think, just my personal view again, um, one of the things I think we've lost in, 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 compared to other churches is in, in charismatic church, I think we've lost something about the reverence of God and the fear of God. And this part of worship is to do that, is to help us understand our place in relation to God. And it, it can be awesome. After this high, heightened praise, there comes a hush. There comes a sense of expectation. And Barak is this place of reverence. And this is where we start to get miracles. This is where we start to get words of knowledge, where we start to get wisdom, where, where true worship is really happening. And um, this is where he speaks directly to us. When we kneel down, I don't think we kneel enough. I mean, there's something about the physicality of worship. I don't think you can sit down in a chair. I mean, I appreciate some of us can't stand and so on, but generally speaking, it's good to stand, it's good to kneel, it's good to prostrate ourselves before the Lord. Something about our physical action that, that, that opens up our heart to God. Um, so this word means to, to make yourself quiet, to be, to be ready and able to, to hear God. And I, I would say this, the power of God silences you sometimes. And I don't know whether you've ever experienced the power of God to that extent. I have. And, you know, I, I've given testimony in the past, so I won't go over it now. But, you know, I've seen some things that have just completely silenced me. Um, there was one, one occasion, I won't go into the detail, but I was at Bible college and I, and I saw an, an angel fly overhead. Never seen one at that point in my life. And all the strength came out of my body. I, I, I was like jelly on the ground, a quivering wreck. I couldn't stand, I couldn't speak, I was just weeping. The power of God just silenced me. And, you know, I think that's what happens when we get into that level of praise. The awesome holiness of God can silence us. It can help us listen. You know, it's very difficult to hear when you're speaking, isn't it? If I'm speaking and singing and shouting and, and, just, and declaring, that's good. There's a place for it, but there's a point at which we have to hear. We have to open up our hearts. And this is this, 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 this part of God's purpose in worship. is not only for us to declare, but for us to hear God and experience, perhaps for the first time, his presence. To know what it's like to be in the heavenly realms. You know, some people in the New Testament, they were transported to heaven. Heaven can come down in our worship time. We can experience the presence of God. It will change you. It will change your attitude. In that example I gave, we were actually arguing about end-time theology when that happened to me. That, that seems so low and, and, and just such rubbish compared to what I experienced seconds later. The power of God will silence you. you know, many times when we read in the, Old, in the Old Testament when God would make a prophet out of somebody, they would fall on their face as though dead. Jeremiah would fall down. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel fell down as though dead. When, when, when Paul, not Paul, sorry, when John wrote the book of Revelation, he said, the spirit of the Lord came upon me and I, and I fell as though dead. I could not speak, and the Spirit of God said, John, write. And so this is this awesome presence of God. I think I've said enough on that, so we'll move on. But the purpose of, God, of worship here in God's presence is not just so that we can experience something, not just so that I can have tingles. The, the purpose of worship is so that we can be healed and delivered. Amen? That's the purpose of it, not just that we can have a nice experience, but we would be changed and made better and hear God. And often in the Old Testament, when people were in trouble, there was a phrase, something like, be still and wait for the salvation of your God. He said to Joshua, stand in the Jordan and wait. And that was just before they had the deliverance. Amen? So that's, it's to usher in God's presence. And we're not very good at this, as I said, in, in, in modern church, I think. We, you know, God comes often in the still, quiet voice. And maybe there's, you know, you have that feeling like, well, there's no answer to, to how I'm feeling right now. There's no answer to what's happened to me, the injustices that I've suffered or the situation that I'm facing. But when you come into God's presence, there are answers. Now, you might not have the answer you're thinking about or expecting, but God will come along and bring you comfort and guidance. Amen? You know, the Holy Spirit is, is, is called the paraclete, one who comes alongside to help. 
And that's, that's what worship is about. Um, it breeds reverence and leads to wisdom. Let's move on quickly because I know time's gone. If we keep flicking on, please, to the next slide. To be a brick in the wall, what do I mean by that? Maybe we'll finish here. I don't think I'll go on to the last P because I think time is gone. Um, but I'll just finish on this point, to be a brick in the wall, to, enth- to enthrone God. I think the fourth in the series is going to be talking about the power of God in, in worship, so we can leave that one for today. Um, but just to finish on this then, our purpose is to be that living stone, that living brick in, the, in God's spiritual temple. And um, to, in, to enthrone God. The power of God draws people to the Father. When that, when that power of God comes, people will be attracted to that. And I think what we want to, you know, what I hope would characterize this ministry in this church is the power and presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's the, and, and it's the, the work of God and nothing else. You know, we, that's what I would hope would be our distinctive. It's the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Not our, how how good we are at certain things. And it's great that we do things with excellence, but that isn't our main distinctive. So when we come together, we should expect God to speak and we become that, that brick in the wall. As living stones being built up as a spiritual house, the holy priesthood. And um, that's our purpose when we come together. And when we make room for God to fill up the temple with his presence. That's when it breaks out and changes our lives. Amen. So as we, as, we, as we praise, it, it, it kind of makes a place for God to dwell. It makes a space for him to move. And, it, and, it, it, and as we do it together, we don't, want to be a, we don't want holes in the wall, do we? We need everyone to do this. We don't want any private discos. We want people to, to be part of this together. So as one body, when we, when we do that, when we praise and worship, we, we allow God to fill that place with his presence. Um, and that's where he sits. All right, let's just flick on to the last slide, and I'll just quickly summarize it before we finish. I think we're going to come up, and I think we're going to sing the song Cornerstone, and actually, God is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone, the real brick in the wall that holds everything together. Amen? Um, all right, let's just, just finish up. If we flick to the last slide, please. Keep, we just keep going. That's it. So we've, today, what we've done is we've looked at what is the purpose of worship, and I've said there are six Ps. It's to fulfill our purpose as, as human beings. That's why God made us. It's to give God pleasure. It's to give us perspective on who he is, what he's done in our lives. It's to prepare us to receive. It's to, for, to allow his presence to come. And it's to demonstrate his power in healings and deliverance and salvation. Amen? And if we take one thing away from today, I would just say this. That praising God changes us. Not God. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.